You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Let's hope we hear that Steve Rabel call a few times on Sunday because we did not hear that the last time the Seahawks played in Cleveland. It is Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle for the Seahawks Insider Podcast. And, John, I don't know if you remember that game, but I have tried to forget that game. Pete Carroll was asked about it on uh, Wednesday, and he quickly kind of blew that one off. And it wasn't a very fun one. But the one thing I like about looking back at that game is how far this team has come not just as a franchise, but as a road team in particular. In there case, was there yes. was this stigma about going east and 10 a.m. games and how unfair and how difficult it was. And it is still a challenge for teams, but the Seahawks have been really good on the road in the last few years. They're 12 and 6 in those 10 a.m. games in particular since the 2013 season. Well, and for those who don't remember what that game was like, it was a 6 3 loss on October 23rd, 2011. Charlie Whitehurst started that game, and yeah, it was a very different time under Pete Carroll. And to John's point, Pete talked this week about how much different it is handling games on the road now versus earlier in his tenure. We're practicing getting comfortable with, with it, you know, and the, and the changes that occur. We're, we're learning as we go. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever, we don't ever assume that we get it, you know, and we have it nailed, but we have a way to do it. And uh, there's kind of steps along the way. Uh, you know, we like we we take the long trips when we go across the country. Um, we've really featured that, and our players like it and have taken to it. And uh, then there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things that go along with it. But we have to get ready to play, um, knowing that we're out there all by ourselves. You know, and the fans are going to be for everybody else, and, and we can't let that be a factor. And so, it's really it's the connecting that's the most important part. You know, for the moment and the challenge and all that. That is Pete Carroll talking about the Seahawks preparing for road games. And it's not just playing on the road. It is playing the early schedule, the early time slot. It will be a 10 a.m. start back here in Seattle. And, John, before we get too much into the matchup against Cleveland, I want to back up here because Pete said that, you know, you're not going to have fans on the road. A, I would challenge that just a little bit because Seahawks fans travel well. But the other reason that there is a mark on the back of this team is because they're 4-1 and and they're coming off of – a nice win against the Rams, certainly sending us into that little mini buy on a high note. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that are looking at what the Seahawks are doing right now. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of teams left in the NFL that have one or fewer losses. And as you just mentioned, they're coming off a win over the defending NFC champs, a team that, you know, the Seahawks lost two really two really tight games last year too. And so to, to get over the hump, knock the Rams off, they're feeling really good about where they're at, especially we've talked about this, but they don't feel like they're the finished product yet. Pass rush isn't where they want it to be. Running games just kind of started getting going the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, they're, they feel like they're trending in the right direction. Well, and it was so long ago. At least it feels like such a long time ago from that game. But I do want to just highlight a couple of of nice things or good things. And I know that the defense in the last couple of minutes, there are plenty of plays that they would like to take back. But – what would be kind of your bright spot and, and your biggest highlight from that win? Um, I mean, it's got to, the obvious. You got to start with Russell Wilson, how incredibly well he played. He, uh, you know, just the numbers were amazing, but then 
if you look at it on paper, that doesn't begin to show how good he was. The throws on the move, obviously the play to Tyler Lockett. I mean, just th- that might have been the best he's ever played, which is saying something because he's had a lot of big games. And then defensively, it's kind of an odd game. I mean, they had some quick stops, some three and outs, and there are times I thought they played really well. And then there are a few drives that got away from them. So, you know, I, I think this defense is still kind of finding itself and has a potential to be really good. And right now we're maybe seeing it in spurts, but not the entire game. Russell Wilson is completing 72.9% of his passes. That is the best in the NFL. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. That is the best touchdown-to-interception ratio through the first five games, not just this year, but since 1950. The Seahawks are also averaging nine yards per attempt. I'm sorry, he is averaging nine yards per attempt, which is why the team as a whole is averaging six yards per attempt. That trickle-down effect from Russell Wilson is obvious in just about every phase of the game. Yeah, it's, I mean, when your quarterback's right, it makes all the difference in the world for an offense, and it's been said over and over again, but he is playing as well as he ever has in his career to start this season. And he did it after the Seahawks had to make a change on the offensive line due to injury. DJ Fluker, the big guy, comes out with a hamstring strain, and that is a very large Hamstring, you would <laughs> like to point out. We see Jamarco Jones get some extended playing time at a position he has never played before. And all of those numbers that Russell Wilson put up came in with a rookie. Yeah, I, it's hard to overstate how impressive what Jamarco Jones did. This is a guy who, A, he had never played guard in a game before, not just in the NFL at any level. He's always been a tackle. He always been outside. And then... He misses an entire rookie season with an injury, so he's kind of getting caught up. Before yesterday, or before, I'm sorry, last week, he had never played offense in the NFL. He'd played a few special team snaps and some preseason games, but he had zero regular season offensive snaps. Fluker goes down. Hey, you're going to go play a new position. And by the way, Aaron Donald's going to be yeah. lined up across <laughs> from you. That's It seems like a recipe for disaster, and he did really well, and the offense functioned very well. And I'm curious if some of that doesn't go back to playing at a big program like Ohio State, where you just, I mean, that that's just kind of what you have to do, right? In order to stand out, you better be able to make those plays wherever they put you on the field. Yeah, and, all, and not just, you know, the level of competition, but just the big moments in terms of big crowds, big games. That that helps those guys who come from those big programs. Is it The moment doesn't overwhelm them of national TV. You know, they play in front of 100,000 people in that conference, so... You know, obviously Aaron Donald's a whole different beast and the competition's way better, but it does help prepare them a little bit. Well, and if he plays this week in Cleveland, he will be playing in front of some folks who do remember him from his college days. Another player on the offensive line that we have not talked a lot about this year and in a very good way is Jermaine Effetti. He is playing very clean football right now. In fact, this is what Pete said about the year Jermaine's having so far. He's playing good, solid football. This is the best he's played. You know, he's he's played the most consistent um, football, clearly, and uh, and he's doing a good job. He's played tough, and he's been really steady and all that. There's always things that we're working on. With all of our guys, he's got his things, and and uh, but he's doing a good job. And now he's going to get to see an old college teammate, which is not going to be easy. Miles Garrett, former number one pick, had 13 sacks last year. I believe he has seven. Is that right? This year, so yeah, it's uh, Effetti is he. You know, he keeps. It, it's really been the last couple of years just this incremental improvement, and 
he is looking better than he ever has, and now he's going to get a really good test to just maybe see how far he's come. Well, that entire offensive line as we transition the conversation into what the Seahawks can expect Sunday against the Browns. Look, there's a lot of holes and some inconsistencies when it comes to the Browns, and you take a look at different units, but you could argue that their front seven is the best that they have to offer. Certainly when you consider what Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson are doing, they can get after a quarterback. That entire offensive line needs to be on their toes. Indeed, and they're also getting a little healthier on the back end, so their secondary should potentially be a little better than it has been. So, yeah, it, you know, overall, just this Browns team, they're hard to figure out right now, but you talk to guys in the locker room, they are not taking them lightly at all despite a pretty ugly loss. Well, and see, that's the weird thing is that you're trying to gauge what to expect from the Browns. And even Pete says it's really up and down, which can pose a few challenges. You know, look at them when they've been on it and, and uh, they've got a lot of firepower. They've got guys that are really good playmaking players out there, uh, right, quarterback to running back to receivers, uh, tight ends. They, they, they can all do stuff on offense. And then they got the big pass rushers, too. So, um there's there's plenty of attraction to this this football team. The kickers are kicking good. They got they got a darn kicker's got a nickname already, you know. And so uh, how did that happen? Um, so there, there's plenty of plenty of stuff to be attracted to to figure it out. Yeah, but when you take a look at that Monday night game, and I think we were all watching it. Pete joked that that was the assignment for the players so that they could get some familiarity with their opponent, and it didn't turn out to be a very good assignment because of how lopsided that game went. But you take a look at Baker Mayfield on Monday night, lowest passer rating among regular NFL starters this season, just 8 for 22, 100 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions on Monday night. What do we make of Baker Mayfield and what the Seahawks need to do against him? It's strange because you look at when they made the change midway through last season, the way Baker Mayfield and that offense finished the year, that's a big re- – I mean, I get Odell Beckham's a big, splashy addition, but a big reason why people are so high on the Browns coming this year is what they showed down the stretch last year. That offense looked awesome. Baker Mayfield looked like, you know, legit number one pick, and the talent's still there, but it just hasn't been consistent with their offense. They've turned it over too often. They, they've just struggled, a lot of penalties. So it's one of those where if they play like they have played, the Seahawks should fare pretty well, but you fear that, you know, this offense is due for a breakout because they just have so much talent, and Baker Mayfield, despite – some of these issues he's had hanging on to the ball and everything else, he's a very talented quarterback. Well, sometimes he's had a hard time getting the ball out, though, because he's been sacked 16 times through five games. And that's a number that you would think works in the Seahawks' favor. But, John, when you take a look at the Hawks' pass rush, I mean, they're tied for 30th in the NFL when it comes to quarterback hits with 18. They are 21st in sacks with 10. Should we be concerned right now? I mean, mildly, you you need to affect the quarterback, but I'd be a lot more concerned if we were seeing this production in week 10 than in week 5. When you Look, you add two very talented defensive ends in Clowney and Ansa this year, but neither of those guys came into this season fully ready to go. Clowney was holding out during training camp in the preseason. Ziggy Ansa's coming off that injury that kept him out of the preseason. So it's not just the physical kind of coming along for those guys, but is. Clowney was talking about in the locker room the other day you got to learn each other sometimes you get in each other's way you kind of play off each other as you get better and you know not that close always counts but you look at some of the rushes he had against the Rams where um, on that last drive the missed field goal Goff made an impossible throw get I mean his one of those where the arm doesn't follow through because you get hit and usually that ball flutters and gets intercepted somehow he threw it downfield for a long gain I, I 
I've watched a couple times. I don't know how it happened. When they're backed up in the end zone, so close to getting a safety there on the incompletion on third down. So I think it's close. Maybe this is the week they kind of get it going. But, yeah, it, you know, you need you need better production than what we've seen so far, but I think you're going to get it. Well, and Jadavian says, look, this is not the time to be playing your best football. You really want to be playing your best football in November and December, so there's something to look forward to. I will also tell you the number of times that he has been playfully chewed out uh, on the sidelines by either Clint Hurt or Ken Norton for getting close but not quite. I mean, it, it's a it's a running joke on the sidelines, but you can also just feel that there is something that is building and that's going to happen on that front. The Seahawks have been, I would say, susceptible in some ways when it comes to the secondary, right? And we saw tight ends gain a lot of yards in the Rams game on Thursday night. What do you make of the secondary, where they're at, and where we might to start see some reinforcements? You know, I, it's hard to say because we've seen some really good things. We've seen games where, you know, the opposing, the opposing passing attacks are really limited to short gains. You know, go back to the Arizona game. The receivers were really kept quiet. But then, you know, you look at some of these two-minute drives against the Rams, and there's some concerning things. So, um it, you know, again, kind of with the pass rush, I think this group is still coming along. But they're getting, you know, they've gotten healthy at safety. That was kind of the concern early on. Leno Hill wasn't wasn't healthy at the beginning of the season, or at least he was kind of building his way back. And Marquise Blair wasn't full go in all of training camp and all that. But now that everybody's been healthy for a while, they're all practicing. You know, Pete Carroll said that, you know, Marquis Blair is kind of pushing again to compete for, for playing time. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. You know, I, I think whether it's the guys playing right now getting better in that unit improving or maybe somebody like Marquis Blair pushes for more playing time. It, you know, it's definitely a work in progress, but I think we're going to see better things out of that group. Marquis Blair is working specifically at free safety. We saw him do both in training camp, but he is now locked in at free safety, according to Pete Carroll. We'll see if he gets on the field. He has been a healthy scratch for a few games this year. And if he is on the field, then it will be a, a big point of emphasis, I would guess, to keep Odell Beckham Jr. in check, although teams have done that naturally this year. Just two receptions in each of the last two games. He's played 47 yards total. He had a punt return on Monday that ended in a fumble. He said he was just trying to fire up the team and get a couple of extra yards. You mentioned it before. There are are some big play-making opportunities there. What do the Seahawks need to do to make sure it's not the week for OBJ? Uh, a couple things. One thing that Bradley McDougal really highlighted is they got to tackle. He's one of the better run-after-catch guys at that position in the NFL, uh, and t- t- for that matter, so is his teammate Jarvis Landry. So that's going to be a big one, Is you know, especially if the way the Seahawks like to play their defense a lot of times they are going to give up some of the shorter receptions to keep things in front of them. You can't let them get going. And then, obviously, for Pete Carroll, it always stops with don't get beat over the top. And, you know, whether that's one of the outside receivers staying with him or something over the middle that's going to fall on Tedrick Thompson, you can't let him just get loose and get that, you know, 40, 50-yard play on you. And, of course, the Seahawks always want to stop the run first. In order to do that, you're going to have to slow down Nick Chubb. But 97 yards, he is the fourth best running back in the league right now. And here is what Pete Carroll knows about Chubb. Fantastic player. You know, we loved we loved him in the draft coming out, and uh, we interviewed him. Uh, you know, in our room, and made made sure we knew who he was. And he's a fantastic kid too. You can see why he's tough and the leader, and he has all the character in the world. And, and uh, 
So you're going to see two, two guys run the ball pretty hard in this, this weekend. It'll be pretty fun to watch them match up. Well, you mentioned two guys. Of course, it's Nick Chubb for the Browns. It is Chris Carson and whatever the other combination will be this week. We expect it to be Rashad Penny. The Browns defense allowed 275 rushing yards to the Niners on Monday night. They are 29th in the NFL against the run, averaging 150 yards a game. Why is this going to be a big game for Chris Carson? Well, I think just you look at what he's done the last couple of weeks. He's, you know, we all know the struggles. He went through fumbling the ball the first three games. He looks like Chris Carson of last year, the guy who was a, you know, 1,100-yard back, scoring a lot of touchdowns. You know, I think this running game, not just him with the fumble issue, but I think as a whole we've seen, you know, the blocking and everything else take that step forward the last two weeks. And, you know, I think with Penny getting healthy last week, you bring him back. I just think this running game is ready to kind of, find where it was last year. This will be the first time that Russell Wilson plays in Paul Brown Stadium in Cleveland. Yeah, he's only got a few left. He's he's checked off most of the NFL. Yeah, he's checked off most of them. So since you and I have both been to Cleveland. I have not. You was, haven't I, been to I Cleveland? I was not. No, I did not uh, travel that year. That was. Perhaps it's just me, the lucky one, yes. who's been to Cleveland. Hey, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm looking forward to Multiple that. times. That's what I was going to say. If you had any recommendations. That's, well, I recommend I to you. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, get some pierogies. The beer there is very good. And, fun fact for you, a Christmas story was shot in downtown Cleveland, and the Christmas Story house is a short $7 Uber right away. Wow. I, I have spent have to, a lot of time in Cleveland. My father-in-law loves that movie. I'm going to have to get him a souvenir. <laughs> there you go. You can go get yourself a leg lamp. As we wrap this up, as we do every week, here's what I need from you. What do you need to see if the Seahawks are going to win and be successful this week? I need to see, keep up the trend of getting the ball away from the Browns. They've had some struggles with that. We talked about Baker Mayfield. I want to see plus two in the turnover battle. You know, get greedy. Plus one would be nice, but we'll go plus two. And I want to see him keep Miles Garrett in check, keep that pass rush in check. Let's say two or fewer sacks allowed. Okay. I like that. I'm going to go the opposite way with the sacks, and I'm going to go on the defense creating that pressure on That'll Baker Mayfield. That'll help me Mayfield. get my turnovers. So there, there you go. go. I would like to see three sacks of Baker Mayfield this week. I'd like to see the Seahawks offense convert on third down at a better clip than they have the last couple of games because the Browns are allowing opponents to convert just 31% of the time on third downs. I'd like the Seahawks to reverse that trend. And I would like to see Russell Wilson continue his uh, stretch and get that completion percentage at around 73%. That's pretty good. He's doing all right. He's not doing too bad there. No. You know. And with that, we are out of time. We will be back with you next week. Until then, make sure that you check out everything John Boyle writes on Seahawks.com and listen to the game on the Seahawks radio network. We'll see you next time.